Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Normie Frenia. Uh, this is a very special episode. Um, <laughs> so, so here today, we have a highly sought-after celebrity guest. She has been described as the Queen of Baba, the Princess of Lala, and this is the only time in the world we could get her on because right as soon as the episode ends, she is going on a Moroccan tour. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Ella Burzins. I'm assuming you're going to add the the cheering and screaming in post. Uh, you can do that, or we can not do it and say it was really funny that like you said it, and then we didn't do it. Well, here, I'll just do it right now. Okay. Woo! Ella! That's what it so usually sounds like when I'm touring. The crowds are really big, but yeah, as Justin was saying, I have a really big Moroccan audience. Um, a lot of those guys, they, they, eat, they eat it up. They eat up my entertainment. Um, so, yes, uh, a lot of you uh, may know Ella Burzins from her incredible, beautiful Instagram account, at grain of underscore sand on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, greatest story in the game, world's greatest Mexican restaurant employee, world record holder for most tortillas eaten in one hour. <laughs> And also, uh, this is this episode is special for two slightly less important reasons than the most famous woman in the world. Um, no JT, no Vinny. And this is the first episode done in person. In fact, we are sitting on my couch right now. Um, Ella, welcome to the show. Mm. Sorry, I got a mouthful of ramen noodles right now. I gotta listen. I have to fuel up. My life is very hard and um, very arduous, you know. And I have to stay fueled. She spilled some of this ramen on my couch right before this. Uh, while I was in the middle of uh, overpowering the mic by going, Baba, Lala, Biba. Um, uh, more of you may know Ella as half of the, um, what I would say, absurdist performance art group known as uh, Doomsday X3. Um, I myself have been either an audience member or a participant for every Doomsday show except for one. Um, Ella, I guess, how would you describe Doomsday as one of its most famous in the world writers and performers? <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little backed up right now. Um, so guys, basically, Doomsday is what I would call to be a performance, a show. When someone asks me, <laughs> what's Doomsday? I say, it's a show. Um, it's a performance. And they say, what is that? Are you a band? Are you theater? Are you improv? First of all, do not call us improv. That is very upsetting. It really upsets me. Um, Doomsday is a performance group, I suppose. We do absurdist theater, neo-vaudeville, projection-based uh, multimedia live entertainment, um... In a lot of inter audience interaction, a lot of intense, intentional, intense, I overwhelming of the audience. Um, yeah. That was a good description. Um, this, 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 I believe you've been ca uh, compared to... Oh. Wake up! Ah! <laughs> look, on, look on the graph. Look on the graph where it spiked. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry to our audience about that. Um, but so Ella, uh, famously, actually, what I think you've described as your least favorite show is a lot of people's favorite show because it was shut down by the police. Would you like to speak a little bit to uh, the Dickens of a Christmas holiday hootenanny? Okay. 
Um, first of all, my fly is down. <laughs> Second of all, the holiday hootenanny was... So basically, if you do not live in Roanoke, Virginia, then you would, wouldn't know what the Dickens of a Christmas is. Uh, which is basically a um, downtown event where people get all dressed up and go buy fancy stuff from vendors and watch children do Christmas carols on a stage and all sorts of antics like that. Um, And somehow we got booked on one of the stages at this downtown event and um, just did what we normally do, but a little more loud and pointless. Um, We threw pennies at the audience, like a lot of pennies. We threw $50 in dollar bills at the audience. Um, We screamed, we sharpened knives on stage. We may or may not have threatened to bomb the bank we were next to performing in Minecraft. That's not real. But if it was, it would be justified. And um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, we did all that, and I did really loud, crazy spoken word. There's always a bit of spoken word in Doomsday shows. And during this, it just got crazier and crazier until the police started showing up on, like, freaking scooters and bikes (laughs) and their little, their cute little police scooters. And then they, they lowered our mics and, like, told us to get off the stage, basically. And then after we got off the stage and our mics were lowered to, like, as, like, so far down that, like, no one could hear us anymore so we had to stop the show the police were like looking through the stuff we threw at the audience on the ground for like illegal substances like they were like we need to catch them for something let's see if we can find anything on the ground and then they were looking through it and i heard someone say we can't get them on anything we have to go and then they all left so actually to speak a little more to the aftermath of that performance um i was at the dinner afterwards with the man who organized Doomsday's participation in Dickens of a Christmas and this city events manager who's in charge of, you know, the hiring and firing of performance acts in these kinds of events actually called Zach, shout out Zach White, and was like, what the fuck was that? I'm going to lose my job. Uh, She did not lose her job, but she's being a little bit of a baby. Yeah, and Zach Zach told us and we felt so bad. Like, we were like, so distraught which is one of the reasons why doom that show is one of our least favorites because we were like that was the lowest low we'd ever had after a doomsday show we were like everyone hates us and like the lady's gonna lose her job and we feel so bad and the show sucked we felt so bad but then she didn't even lose her job she was trying to make us feel bad uh do you think that as um intentionally absurdist inspired by like uh, italian futurism um that Russian Russian absurdism, big Russian absurdism. Um, do you think that being that being your inspiration, you you would actually find some revelry in the fact that people might hate what you're doing? Sadly, yes. Um, I would love to. S- I I think me and Grayson both agree. Grayson also does Doomsday with me. He's number number two of uh, Doomsday. Um, yes, I'm number one. Grain of sand, most famous person in the world. But Grayson would probably agree with me that we kind of want Doomsday to be the people's absurdist performance group. We want it to be 
like anyone could come anyone could come and experience this so it's annoying that some people don't want to but i think if it, if everyone wanted to it would be the most bland thing in the world so it's probably good that people don't like it the thing that i'm happy about is that the police shut us down because although it was upsetting and stupid it was like a huge bragging right like i can tell people like yeah we did like a we did like this big downtown event and the police came and it was crazy man and then they'd be like whoa you're a real artist now because now the feds hate you so actually um on top of the police shutting down that show um a more recent discovery we have found in terms of their more legal performances that have not been shut down by the police there is actually a, a roanoke incorporated employee who will basically follow up behind them and take down posters that's for their true. show that's true i'm coming for you i'm coming for you <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i think maybe my takeaway and you you can obviously challenge this is that the people who hate you the most are the people that anyone should want to be hated by That's so true. you i think it's admirable to be hated by big money and big government yeah and you're hated by both you're so that makes you more the people's art performance <laughs> than that I, I hopefully this isn't too quiet we'll we'll raise it the volume if we have to um i think that makes you more of the people's performance art because the big money and the big government is who's out to get the people and you're there to support the people That's so i think um maybe um some fans of yours have said like even the show even the holiday hootenanny yeah. someone said that that show their their like poetic takeaway from it was it was about how the holidays are not always this like picturesque yeah. joy yeah. um it is often a time of financial hardship uh revisiting difficult familial bonds with relatives you might not see which i think who said that um the older lady who says she's your biggest fan oh okay um I'm sure you're listening, biggest fan, and I have a specific message for you. So for everyone who's not her, I want you to turn the volume off for the next 10 seconds. Okay, go. All right, biggest fan, I want to let you know that you're in my will and you will receive at least 50% of my fortune. So make sure to spend it well. And um, oh, oh my, is my time up? Okay, everyone's probably turning on their volume now. So I just want to say something else. Um, you're better than all those guys, and I hope you know it in your heart. Thank you, lady. Um, which I think maybe a fun piece of Ella trivia that anyone who's a true friend of Ella would know. Um, your favorite Christmas movie is also about how Christmas is not necessarily about joyously spending time with your family. Sometimes it's about credit card theft and getting lost in one of the largest cities in the world. Um for those of you don't who don't know, Ella's favorite Christmas movie and arguably one of her favorite movies ever is Home Alone 2: Lost in New York. Um, what if you had to name like one big reason what makes that your favorite movie, especially Christmas movies? Okay. Kevin McAllister freaking kills that role, guys. First of all, it's probably weird to listen to someone be interviewed that you don't know and don't care about. So I want you guys to, to put think of it this way, okay? I'm not a person that you don't know, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a character in a movie, okay? So think about me like that, and then it might be more interesting. Okay, now back to Kevin McAllister. I think Kevin McAllister kills this role, okay? Now, you one might say that he is not a very good actor in that movie. 
And listen, it's not about the performance being believable. It's about him being a character. The show is, the, that freaking movie is not a, a realistic movie about realism. It's about like some freaking snarky kid living in New York City alone fighting for find, fighting the wet bandits. God dang right. So, um, I don't know. I think the way that Kevin McAllister acts in that movie is like no other child actor performance I've ever seen. He's like so smug and like says everything in this crazily deadpan way that really confuses me. And also, I just think that the movie is very well done for what it's trying to accomplish. Um, and it is a thousand times better than the first Home Alone movie. And I rest my case. Also, me and my brother went to New York uh, last year, maybe, or it was a year before. I don't know. And we recreated the entire movie with like, and went to all the locations that they filmed it in and like did like an abridged version. And that was pretty awesome. Um, I think that you said the second one is marginally better than the first one, but I think the second one wouldn't have been the same without the first one because the first one taught him to not be so judgmental of weird looking old people. And that hobo lady ended up saving his life. Oh, now that's a point I didn't consider. That's a point I didn't consider. But, but like, I also feel like, sadly, the second one is just a remake of the first one in a different location. Like, so much of the movies are exactly the same. Um, and I just think that the parts that they remade are better. And yes, I agree. It couldn't have existed without the first, but it doesn't mean that it's still not, it's definitely still better. Like, the old lady is so much better than that old man. The old lady's awesome. That old lady's sick. Guys, shout out, pour one out for that old freaking lady. I swear to God. That is, I, I, I you know, I can't agree. And Ella, do you know my favorite Christmas movie? Um, if, I, if I had to guess, it's, uh, Charlie Brown or it's, um... Uh, well, I feel like you've told me this before, but I don't remember. It's either Charlie Brown or it's um, that Sheer Eye Out movie, but I don't think it is. Thank you. It's definitely not Christmas Story. Bold take for all the listeners out there. I hate oh, wait, Christmas Story. Your favorite one, um, Polar Express. Yeah, Polar Express is my favorite Christmas movie. So I was born in the year 2000. Polar Express came out in, I think, the year 2004. Um, I have watched that movie every single Christmas Eve since its release. Um, my favorite, like, Christmas short is Charlie Brown. For the music, for the plot, for that little tree. In fact, if you've ever been to my house, you will notice I actually have the little tree on my desk. That's true. Um, sorry, I, I keep, I, we only have one microphone that we're splitting, and I keep accidentally leaning back, so you might not pick up on Ella when she, like, uh, does a little chime about something I'm saying, or vice versa. Um... Ella, is there anything you would like to say about your upcoming Moroccan tour? You're also going to Europe, correct? Yes, yes. So fans, um, listen, I'm not putting this one on the public story because I know the fans will go ravenous for this, and I just I want this to be a little more underground, so I'm going to give you like hardcore fans a little bit extra um, to work with. So basically, if you want an insider scoop, I've just been talking to all the venues across Europe. Well, really, honestly, they've been reaching out to me because they love me. You know, what can I say? People love me, you know. But, um, yeah, they, they've been reaching out to me. And I, I wasn't I wouldn't really want to go to Europe, you know. But I realized that the fans need me, you know, and the people need me there. And I just so, yeah, that's why I'm going. And um, I suppose I'm excited. But really, if there's anything I'm excited for, it's putting the smiles on all the faces of all my gracious gracious fans and if you're listening i just want to say thank you so much your gracious moroccan fans or your Mor your fans worldwide 
Well, my worldwide fans, of course, but the Moroccan fans are really what I'm doing this for. You know, I'm, I've got big numbers in Morocco, real big there, really big. You might be one of the few people in the entire world who can say they have big Moroccan numbers. <laughs> um, so actually, while we're sitting here, uh, the backdrop for this incredible shot is a lot of you are familiar with Roku City. It's a premier tourist destination. Millions visit every day. Big, big numbers in Roku City. Um, but today, um, we are visiting, uh, Morocco or not Morocco. Um, we are visiting, um, the bottom of the Roku city ocean. In fact, I'm going to put a picture of it on the Normifrenia, um, story. So you better get to this episode fast or you're going to, or you're going to miss it. Um, so a big part of Doomsday, and you mentioned this earlier, is the spoken word. A lot of Doomsday is um, and um, forcing small children to make slime against an adult for a prize, and neither of them wins. Um, but then there always comes a very somber, like wrenching, gut wrenching emotional performance by you that, like, literally the room goes completely silent every time. Um, do you, when you make those, do you do it w to that effect or do you just make it in a way that you would want to see someone else do it and that's just the effect it has? You mean like, do I try to make the audience feel that way or am I just doing what I want and then they just feel that way anyway? How much of that is, uh, raw emotion and how much of it is theatrics, I guess is my question. Oh, um... Honestly, all of it is raw emotion, and that sounds probably kind of annoying, but I mean, I definitely try to play it up to be entertaining, I guess, but at the end of the at the end of the day, I feel like if it's not coming from a real place, then it's not going to be theatrical. So I have to come from a real place and then that in turn makes it entertaining because I'm like very intense about what I'm saying because usually those kinds of like spoken word pieces come from like a thing that I'm feeling at the moment and so it is very in the moment it's very current and fresh and like happening so when I'm speaking about it it's something that's happening and then everyone in the room goes quiet and, and then I usually make some sort of joke like why are you guys all staring at me and then I like go away because it kind of freaks me out when they're all watching me because I kind of get into my own little headspace where I feel like I'm just kind of like getting my words out on the stage and freaking out and ah! and then all of a sudden I like get out of it and I'm like oh I forgot there's like an audience looking at me and I am like oh <laughs> thanks for watching guys bye yeah um on a on a much more comedic note um anyone who follows you on Instagram for a long enough time knows that you have like uh two sometimes three like like you've been reposting the same three posts like every day for probably a year and a half now. Um, and I want to run through the two that I remember. There's one, there's a third one that I care. Wait, you got to mention which one you want me to talk about and then I'll talk about it. Yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go one at a time. My, the first one and maybe my favorite, and I might take a picture of you making this face and put it on the story. It's for those of you familiar with Casey Frey, um, Ella loves reposting the, the picture of him in the dark room where the caption just says deep sea fish be like. 
It's so freaking awesome. It's like the best post on Instagram.com. Like the face he's making is like no other face I've ever seen. And I just think there's something very powerful about just dropping one post, one picture on Instagram with like one sentence underneath it. Like it's there's something crazy about that. And the post is it's just like very, I don't know. When I see it, I, I just I want to put like a boom sound effect like a vine boom no no like a like a powerful explosion boom like that that where the dust quietly settles and there's like reverberates because it's just like i don't know there's something there's something crazy about it something very powerful about it you guys need to scroll down casey Frey's page until you find that and um then message me on instagram.com with your thoughts you know maybe if you want to write a little essay i'll read it instead of scrolling through casey Frey's post you should follow Ella on Instagram and watch her story all the way through without skipping any of them until you see it. Um, that's when you get added to the Hello Famous Club. I'm going to ask about that later too. Um, the second one is the man on a on a tree limb and on on the on the other end of the tree limb there is a tiger and he is dangling from this tree limb over top of a whirlpool. And every time you repost it, you say, won't someone please help this man? Someone please save him. Can can you speak to that? So, um, basically, yeah, he's he's... He's very, he's trapped. He's like, it, it's a, it's a clearly photoshopped, I suppose. I mean, one, the deniers would say it's a clearly photoshopped video, but, um, I don't, I don't know, edited video, whatever the frick. But I say it's real and I'm very concerned for him. He's hanging over this branch, over this terrifying whirlpool of water and he's trapped. He can't, he can't go climb up the branch because there's a scary demon beast preventing him and he can't let go because there's a whirlpool. It's very concerning and what I hate to see the most is that when I when I check back up on the post to you know see if he's still if he's still there if he's like made it out he's always still hanging on there, and I think that says a lot you know um, about it, facing adversity the fact that he's still hanging on um, means a lot to me and I do hope he gets out if you're listening guy I want to say I hope you get out of that all right. Uh, are you old enough to be familiar with the show Reading Between the Lions or is that? Yes. That's such a good show. So every time I see it, I in my head I do the the cliffhanger sketch yeah. thing. Cliffhanger hanging from a cliff, and that's why they call him cliffhanger. <laughs> and then there's a third post. I know there is. It sticks out in my head. But for the life of me, I can't. There's a third one that I kn- that I know I'm thinking about. Fuck no. that one. Yes. Will you please, for the love of God, describe what the hell is going? <laughs> Okay, first of all, the most important thing to me is the music. Can I play it? Um, yeah, for a little bit. I don't know. It also occasionally interjects with this whoop whoop sound in the middle of that music that I think is crazy. But anyway, um, so uh, let me explain this to you guys. This is an Instagram reel. I think Instagram reels are crazy. Um, one of the most mind-bending platforms on the planet. Um... This this freaking video is this like insanely skinny woman with like the torso a torso that looks Im- unreal and like just like a really freaking weird body frame and she's drinking this in- this huge freaking chalice of milk <laughs> and and she's 
and eating leeks by the like by the like what looks to be like the bushel full she's she's like holding all of these leeks and like chowing down on them and she has this plate of crazy food and i don't know there's just something about the way that she does it and like the way it's edited i i don't like (laughs) when she takes the bite of the leek it's like you guys need to check this out it's on it's pinned yeah it's like shaped really crazy like she has this tiny little waist and then her she she easily has a 12 inch waist if if, max and i don't understand how she's drinking all this milk it's like i don't even know where it's going you know there's no room in there for all that milk and all those leaks the leaks is what gets me i think and the the chalice of milk is crazy but it's the eating the leaks that really look at the way she what's that on the plate i don't know what that is is that a chicken wait for the leak wait for the leak (laughs) Oh my gosh! What the fuck is that? All right, there's. Is that the last one I was thinking? Just tap through them real quick. All right, that's deep sea fish. I love this one. That's all of them. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my next question. Um, as someone who knows you, uh, in real life personally, um, you're sort of you sort of occasionally stick out of our group in in the sense that you're like the only person who can't sit and watch movies, mm-hmm. especially not more than one in a row. Yeah. That being said, are there any movies in your life that uh, you think may have laid the foundation for what both your online presence and Doomsday uh, is? Well, if we have to narrow it down to movies, then I don't know, it's kind of hard. Shows also count. Okay, because the Car- shout out Carol Burnett show, guys. You guys need to get on that. You've been sleeping on Carol Burnett. She's a powerful woman. She's a strong woman. She could beat you up in a fight. Probably not. She's like 80 or something. But Carol Burnett's pretty awesome. Um, I'm very inspired by variety shows. I'm very inspired by old... Like our show. Very inspiring and very powerful. Yeah. Best show ever. One of the most powerful shows I've ever seen. Extremely inspired. When I was listen to the show, I usually cry at least once. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, okay, but variety shows I really do love, but what I mean by that is like in the olden days, like the freaking 60s and 50s, that's so long ago, guys, if you can even imagine. They would have variety shows where, you know, you'd have like these reoccurring bits, but also like little skits and and all this stuff like in t- all together at once. Doomsday is very inspired by that and Carol Burnett show is like in my opinion, one of the best variety shows ever done. Also, Cara Burnett is very awesome. One of the first women ever to get their own television. One of the first women ever. One of the first women in the planet, yeah. Um, she's actually Eve's daughter. Um, yeah, it's true. You can look that up in the Bible. Guys, go read the Bible and you'll find that in there. Um, so yeah, Cara Burnett show, huge. Um, also, with that, I Love Lucy. Seen every episode of that goddamn show. And you might not believe it, but it's true. Um, for movies... I, I really, really like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That shows that movie pretty awesome. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is pretty awesome, too. Um, but those movies are both... Movie. I do. That movie's so good. Those movies are both, like, things that happened after the fact of my artistic way of being have having been formed. Um, American Beauty, also. I really like that movie. But um, I think I... I don't know. I like to think of my Instagram account as a kind of project, so to speak. Um, It is what entertains me and keeps me company throughout my day. But at the end of the day, it's like 
a being that I've created in my mind and it isn't real, which is a weird way to think about it, but I don't really think about it as being real. And all the people that look at it are like people I've created in my brain to entertain me, but they aren't real. Um, and that's how I feel about the Instagram. I've always like filmed everything in my life and I've always been very intrigued by a kind of voyeuristic way of, of consuming media and like watching through other people's eyes and watching other people sort of thing. So I kind of try to provide that with my account. Um, I really like reflections and things. I like mirrors. I like uh, freaking uh, bubbles. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Sorry, I threw up all over your floor. Tristan. You threw up all over my floor. Um... um um, you have performed at the front row as I have before it was canceled. Shout out front row, um, bar in Roanoke where Ella Grayson and I have performed stand-up comedy on multiple occasions. How did it feel being like one of the most reviled performers of that entire venue's history? A like punk gay bar that had to get shut down because someone shot someone there. And you like you're one of the most hated people to ever walk in the door. How does that um, how does that sit with you when you sleep at night? <laughs> to be honest, I don't sleep at night because of that. You know, it really it really prevents me. <clears throat> I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, I don't think th I don't think I was hated more than anyone ever at the front row, but. Um, I definitely was liked a lot by some specific people, and then pretty much everyone else, I think, had a thorough dislike of me. Yes, I think maybe the biggest, um, I don't want to say valid criticism, but like verbose description of your style is came from our own Brian. Brian, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry for calling you out like this. But Brian said he wishes that you understood... Or he wishes you had seen the comedians that you're emulating, even though that since you haven't seen those comedians, you're not emulating them. So I was always confused. He said you were, he told, I think he said it to you once. He's like, you need to watch Sam Kinison or uh, what was it, Gallagher? Brian Schwank? No, 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 Drunk Brian. Oh. Not okay. Brian Schwank. Brian Schwank, we were not talking about you. We were talking about Drunk Brian. Okay, because that would be crazy. Because I, I know for a fact he ain't never seen a comedian like that. And I would be crazy. I would be really surprised if he knows the name of a comedian that I don't. But, you know, maybe he does, and good for you, Brian. But what is that? So that Brian wishes I've seen the comedians that I, he thinks I'm copying. Is that what he said? I think that's about what it boils down to. Um, can I ask you a, 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 maybe a heavy question? Okay. Can you tell us about your... So Ella also, I did not mention this at the intro. That's kind of my fault. Ella also does um, video content that is put on YouTube. Yeah. Will you tell us about uh the inspiration and making of the most beautiful day okay. uh since that is since not enough not a lot of movies these days are so long format <laughs> yeah. what inspired was it was it supposed to be about how people don't make such long format videos anymore or was it supposed to be a sort of almost like time lapse thing describe the most beautiful day ever first of all i want to ask one question about this guy brian does he think that like 
so he he's annoyed that because like if I watched them I would be better. Is that what he thinks? Yeah, I think he thinks if you watched comedians who did the same things you do thirty years before you did that you might do what you do better. Which is stupid because it was an open mic at a bar across from a transportation okay, museum. So what I would say to that is that I, I this is probably something a lot of people would frown upon, but I do not like being influenced by things artistically. Um, I think that the things that I can provide to the world are very intrinsic to me, and I want them to be as authentic as possible. And I don't want to be heavily influenced by another person's thing they've already done I would rather just make what I feel I want to make and then learn as I go and if that means it takes me longer to improve okay but it also means that it will be more authentic to what I want to create that's what I would say um but yeah most beautiful day okay so I have a YouTube channel linked in the freaking bio my Instagram go check it out guys I will also put it in the description of the episode that's so brave that's the social social media I care about more of than anything, honestly. But I feel like many people that actually do follow me on Instagram and like regularly view my story, which I I think of as like kind of a infinite YouTube video forever, like like a like a YouTube video that you can watch live as it happens and infinitely, which is really interesting. I love I think stories are a medium that are is not like explored enough for its potential it's like a pre-clipped live stream yeah yeah sort of i think it's very interesting but anyway um on my youtube channel i have uploaded this project i worked on called um, the most beautiful day and it is an idea i had probably like multiple months maybe four or five months before i actually made it um and the reason i made it is well first i gotta tell you what it is don't i i mean i'm not crazy um it's a I wanted it to be 24 hours, but then I realized that you sleep during the day, so it couldn't be 24 hours. But I wanted to film a whole day front to back um, and not cut anything out, not edit it, leave the camera rolling for the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep and have that be the video. And then I would plan visually interesting things to happen during the day that I find to be interesting or inspiring to me. And so... I don't know. I just thought it would be really interesting. And if I found that on YouTube, I would be like, whoa, this is super cool. Like, because as I was saying earlier, it's kind of that like uh, voyeuristic thing. Like, I want to see what this other person thinks is interesting. I want to see how this other person sees the world and like how they would live their life through their own eyes sort of sort of deal. And so that's kind of what I was trying to achieve. I want to be like have someone watch it and think like I'm seeing exactly what Ella saw during the day, how she saw it. And um, that is one big reason why I wanted to. And cause I wanted to capture all the things that at this particular moment in my life, I thought were visually interesting. But the second reason is because I think I rely a lot on editing. I really like editing. I like the process of kind of, I, th- I think of it like freaking sculpting, like you you film something and then you can turn it into what you want by molding it into what you want. Uh, speaking of Ella's editing, uh, if you are familiar with the Arabic mac and cheese video, that was a collab of Ella and I's over editing um, and actually was made, what, a few weeks before the most beautiful day? I don't remember. Maybe. I'm not very good at time, but maybe. 
Because I, I think we made that, and then that's when it was a while before you made something else because you made Most Beautiful Day. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was on top of it that being that artistic reason, it was also just like a challenge to make the most beautiful day because I was like, I want to see if I can go a whole day filming without getting tired out and if I can be really good at like, I wanted to challenge myself specifically with being really good at like camera transitions and camera movement, which I don't think I focused on enough, which makes me almost want to do the project again. But like I wanted to focus a lot on the way I moved the camera and the way I zoomed in and zoomed out to like make it the whole thing flow as if it was edited, but it wasn't. And I think that would require a lot more forethought that I didn't put in. I just kind of did it spontaneously because I was running out of time. I feel like it would be hard to both script out how long did it end up being 12 14 hours 16 hours um it would be a lot a lot of pre like heavy 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 scripting to plan those zooms like that like it would be like fractions of a second you would have to plan days in advance See, but i think that would be i think that'd be really cool and like i do want to do that someday and i probably will but i just didn't do it for that project yeah um it, you spoke of it being like a voyeuristic thing. If someone else made their most beautiful day, do you like even if it was a stranger? If some if a stranger was inspired by your most beautiful day, do you think you would sit and watch it to see what their artistic process was and their most beautiful day? Definitely, that would be so freaking cool. That would be so cool. I mean, I probably wouldn't like sit down and focus directly on it for 16 hours i'd probably let it play while i was like going about my day but i would still watch it you know i would i would it would be like when you hold a, a video and you're doing something else and then you look at it so, all the time but not always okay that's a challenge to all of you um if you hear this uh make your own most beautiful day um i'll watch it ella will watch it um So working with Grayson and knowing him for so long, how much do you think you guys, or how and how much, I guess is a two-pronged question, would you, do you think that the, how long do you think, oh, I got a, I got a phrase, you have, a, you've known each other for a long time before Doomsday, and Doomsday has been, in the grand scheme of your friendship, only really a fraction of what you've done together. At this point it's about half, I would say. I guess Chloe is what met at high school. Yeah. Um, how long do you think Doomsday will be a thing before you, both of you, either start separate projects or the two of you start something completely different? Hmm. Well, I think that um, we both kind of have a like we'll see what happens kind of energy with Doomsday. Like, if it dies, then it dies because we are. 19 year olds making an, making an art group I mean that's like not a forever kind of concept I think um, and I think it'd be kind of silly of us to assume that we're going to keep doing this for the next 20 years yeah. um, so I don't know I would say that we both kind of assume that it will die but there's always like a if it doesn't we'll do it for as long as humanly possible kind of thing like if we have some sort of super success then we'll do it forever so it's either that or it'll like slowly die out because we have no like real we ha we're we're done with that idea we want to do a new idea and when that happens i don't know 
I don't know yet. I think that I really need Grayson and Grayson really needs me. So it makes it really hard for us to do things without each other because Grayson helps me have the motivation to do things. And um, I and, and Grayson doesn't have the motivation to do all of the logistical work that I do. So it's like without Grayson, I probably wouldn't have someone pushing me to do it. And Grayson wouldn't have someone doing it. So that's a very interesting dynamic. One that would be very hard to break up for sure. Um, I'm very excited to uh, be joining him on the Doomsday Power Hour at JMU. <laughs> um, I'm very. I, I don't want to say too much about the plot yet. I might talk about that on a future episode because, unless he's told you about it already. Okay. Uh, I want the fans to be surprised because even though I know most of you barely listen to the podcast, so you're definitely not going to listen to the radio show. Um, it's on at 12 a.m. It's on at 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, guys. That's right. Um, Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Um, what would you say is like the doomsday ultimate pipe dream goal? Like, <gasps> like the highest possible achievement that you think doomsday could oh. theoretically reach if everything goes perfectly for doomsday. What do you think? the best thing like like after that happens you're like okay we can retire this we have we have peaked at this achievement what would that be for you off the top of your head first of all if we achieve this achievement we would never retire this would be the beginning of the of the end and then the end would go on forever um but this is like a dream we've had since we started doing doomsday and that is doomsday on ice at the Berglund center in roanoke virginia that we have a freaking like hockey rink in the middle of an arena and they also use it for other stuff sometimes and we want to do a on ice show on, on, it would be like the craziest thing in the entire world it, like imagine like an absurdist art group doing like a dramatized ice musical like that would be the craziest thing in the entire world and yeah that's our that's our biggest dream i would say i would love to see that i would pay to see that you know how much money i would pay five dollars a, a person kids do not get in free Seven dollars for kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that I would I, I like that. Doomsday shows are usually free. Uh, we kind of hate charging money. It's me and Gra uh, me and Grayson work really well together because we have like similar beliefs about how art should be made and consumed, and we're both severely against charging money for it. So that makes it really hard to like make money and also hard to like get venues because most venues are like you gotta pay us or you're not getting in which is very annoying um so i was recently recently listening to old episodes of um come town and the adam friedland show and there was something that came up that i think i actually want to ask you personally about i would also love to ask grayson if i ever have him on the show um nick mullen of come town fame um was talking about how he doesn't believe at all in any sort of intellectual property he says there should be no patents no trademarks and no copyrights on anything and there and no one should be profiting off intellectual property so that it is constantly open source for anyone to transform or create without limitation and since if there's no copyright or patent or whatever there's also no profit motive to be making it it's all creative motive how what is your um uh i guess how do you feel about that persuasion being a anarchistic almost um in your performance well 
the only issue I have with that is that I think it'd be really easy for people to directly copy things, which I think is pretty annoying. Like, I don't know. I wish that the entire world worked on a fair use kind of basis. I think that would be cool. I think having no copyright might kind of suck because, like, imagine me and Grayson don't copyright Doomsday, which we probably won't. And someone's like, you know what I want to do? I want to make Doomsday 2. And they use our exact same logo and put on our exact same shows as another group. And they, and, like, they get really popular because of luck. That would make me feel very sad because I worked extremely hard and then someone else did the exact same thing and copied me exactly and I can do nothing about it. That would suck. So is this a world where they are also copying shot for shot the shows? Yeah, like um, I feel like I feel like people would do things like that. Like if there were if there were no copyright laws at all, I think that that kind of thing people copying things would be a lot more common. Um but if there was like prov- something like a law specifically for that that could outlaw that kind of thing, I think that I would agree. But other, if, if that is, like, a thing that can happen, I think that would kind of suck. I think that's the reason copyright laws exist. Okay. Um, one of maybe your lesser-known projects that, quite frankly, is one of my favorite, um, is, I believe it's called XX Hot Plates XX. You do that with your uh, delightful brother, White Morpheus. Um, what inspired that? And... Uh, what yeah well i guess what inspired the fascination to the point of making its own instagram account for celebrating uh very funny license plates um i in like probably freshman year of high school i was like i don't know i've always kind of been like i like having weird hobbies and i saw a license plate that was funny and i was like i'll take a picture of that and i saw another one i took a picture of that one and then i was like i'm gonna start collecting these and then i made it my like whole thing like people would send me license plates that i like kind of barely knew and they're like hello i have a license plate for you and it was like my thing and i took a picture of them all the time and when i was in a car with someone i'd be like oh my god there's one there's one get close to it get close to it and they drive up close to it and slow down and i take a picture and so yeah it just became one of my personality traits so to speak and then archer picked up on it too my brother um and he did it with me um because it was just like i don't know the cool thing that he liked that i did and then he was like i'm gonna do it too and so then we both started collecting them and um i found like an instagram account about um license plates and i was like those people are my friends and i found that like two years ago and it's always been in my mind like i have enough to make an instagram account maybe i should do that and so i did except i'd made it um we we like write little things in the caption which i think is the important part to me like it does feel a little more personal especially if for people who know you and archer to to follow that and know that i don't know it's it's like it's one thing to see something absurd it's another thing to see something your friend saw that is absurd yeah Yeah, i like that and i also like how people around me are like looking at the account and like following it that's kind of fun and um yeah in every post we write like some sort of caption about what's going on in our lives which which i think is fun i've always liked it when accounts did that so yeah that's that that thing so actually this is not your first podcast appearance as a guest where you were brought on because of your eccentricity and creativity um you were also on one of my favorite podcasts called twee girls um, Twee Girls is a very good podcast, which I hope comes back soon. Um, 
how I guess now that this is your second one, uh, as a content creator, how does it feel to be the subject of someone else's content creation? <laughs> I love content, dude. One of my favorite things is sitting down on the couch, opening up a ice cold beer, plugging in my laptop, and push and play on some sick content. I like long content. I like short content. I like content that's a couple seconds long. The most thing, my favorite thing, the best thing that I like about content is the fact that I don't have to think when I watch it. And I can sit there and I can just watch the content. And that's what I like about content. And I like that I can just kind of watch it. And I don't have to think much. And and I like that. I guess let me, let me phrase the question again. Um, as a content creator, how does it feel to sort of be on the other side where you are the subject of someone else's content creation, like being on Normie Frenia and being on Twee Girls and, and any other future interview you might be on? Oh, also, the unreleased uh, podcast that I will not spoil, uh, Zach, 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 uh, will, that will come out one day. I guess you've got three examples now of being the subject of someone else's content creation. How does that... As a creator yourself, how does it feel to be the subject of creation? Weird. Um, I don't. I don't know. Talking on podcasts, being interviewed, talking about myself usually makes me feel kind of like weird and bad because I'm like, nobody cares. Okay, nobody cares about this. What I'm saying, and also like I feel like such an idiot um, because I'm talking about myself, and I feel like people think I. I think I'm so cool, and I think that's annoying. And also, I. Um, I don't know. I don't like the creating things just to like feel like you're also creating things. Like it's kind of weird when people like, you know, like you know the things people are making memes about, or people are like imitating the the TikTok interviewers on the street, and they're like, "How much do you make a month?" or something like that. Like that kind of that kind of content kind of freaks me out, and I'm scared of being involved in that type of uh, content. I did see one parody of that kind of content recently, which I thought was extremely funny. Um, it was the, it was it was in the format of the like, um, would you like a dollar uh, one? But it was like a guy and he like sprints up to someone and he goes, "What do you, what do you believe is the solution to the uh, Israeli Palestinian conflict?" And he holds the mic up to the guy, and the guy goes. Uh, double it and give it to the next person. <laughs> and then it just shows a map where there's just two Israels floating in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And I thought that was rather humorous. Maybe the best part to me about like the most god-awful content on the internet is when funny people get a hold of it for satire. Yeah, yeah I would agree. I I just... I think that as long as it's like cool and interesting and someone like as actually wanting to do it and has like some creative inspiration, then I'm like, oh, that's fun. But if you're like, but if I'm someone's just like, I need to make mindless content because everyone else is doing it. Let me do that now. Let, let me do it to you. I, I think that's upsetting. And I'm always a little scared that people are doing that for me because I feel like that kind of content's kind of evil and it wastes people's lives and energy and everything. Do you think you felt that way about this show, Twee Girls, or Zack, Zack, Zack? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just kind of fun. It's something to do, you know? Like, I think, I think, uh, 
Twee Girls and Zach. I think Zach's show m- more than all of them is like inspired by some sort of artistic vision. Like Zach seemed to have like a really like intricate plan for his show, which I think is pretty cool. But like I don't know, Twee Girls in this podcast just kind of feel like I need something to do. Let me do this, and it doesn't feel like ill-intentioned. Like I need to get famous, but ne- not necessarily. It's just more like I want to make this thing, and I guess I'll do it now. Maybe my favorite thing about Twee Girls, as someone who talks to both Taya and Mary a lot, is that they have, like, Twee Girls especially, I feel like is them celebrating um, hobbies and aesthetics that they had as young people that have sort of foundationally built the aesthetics and hobbies and passions they have now, and that they a lot of the people they're pulling on are people who either um, continue that aesthetic in either their life or their work or, uh, uh, you know, something like that where they're like bringing on people who are their own kind of what they would call twee, which is already a very vague and abstract term. And this show, I would say this show teeters on a few different things that I need in my life like this show keeps me on an honest creation schedule so that I don't like I'm really really bad about uh delaying doing things that I don't that like seem to not have consequences if I don't do them and also um it's giving me the opportunity to uh talk to more people something about being on a podcast makes both the host and the guest think more about what they're going to say because they know that literally an infinite number of people could hear it and respond so i i think i think it forces me to slow down and be more thoughtful and it forces the guest to explain themselves a little bit and maybe sometimes when you have to explain something about yourself to someone else it might start to make more sense to you at least that's how i feel when i do things like this that's so true and so true, Tristan. I agree. I think that um, I like talking to the, the microphone. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I don't. I like pretending that there's an audience, and I think that's very fun. We have an audience. I love you, audience. Fun fact, audience. Um, actually, we are now monetized, and we will start getting ad reads next month. We're going to start getting ambassador ad reads through our host company, Anchor, um, which I'm very excited about. Very excited to force you guys to listen to those. Going to definitely try to do what a lot of podcasts do, where they attempt to um, weave their style of communication into the advertisement so that it doesn't feel like it's like off-brand or anything actually have like ad reads well we'll start getting them next month i got an email today that said we're sorry it's taken so long to get you an ad read um we were revamping and revising our content um monetization requirements you have to have an audience size of at least a hundred and at least one published episode to receive monetization luckily you fall into these criteria so next month in march we will receive our first ad read hope you guys are looking forward to that that's crazy <laughs> that's awesome but also silly i don't know i i i love pretending that no one watches anything i do that's the most fun thing to me is like pretending like there's an audience and having it be like not true that's what i, I like that about 
Um, I like doing that when I say something like horrifically offensive or off color, maybe. But um, really, this is this is this is gonna be me more me being real to the audience than being real to you because I feel like we've had this discussion in person many times. When I make something, the more work I put in, the and more time, especially, the more I really want someone to see it and recognize me for what I've done. And the less that happens, the more um, dejected I feel about content creation. Yeah, I've never really done felt that way. I think uh, one of the I don't I would be really interested. I don't think. Well, yeah, I I think this is definitely true. I would almost say within a shadow of a within a shadow of a doubt, I do not think anyone from my Instagram account is going to listen through this episode. However, if you do, I'm very curious about how people look at my Instagram and the themes of it, so to speak, because in my head, the themes of it are very much like looking through the world through my eyes and like as if no one else is watching sort of thing and like how interesting it is that i am like the only person in the universe at all and um like when i i sometimes i used to like make this joke in my story like hello famous i would say captioning like a picture of me looking like really overly happy like like that's more of like a silly satire thing like i'm so famous look at how rich and famous i am when i have like 500 followers and none of them like uh really interact with me just kidding guys my morocco tour is coming up i hope you're buying the tickets the pre-sale is live right now but you know what i'm saying right like if that were if i really was a poor sack of poop and guts then that's that's the kind of philosophy i might have theoretically speaking yeah yeah um so we're at about an hour um i think we might wrap it up here because i think you and i are both getting a little sleepy um thank you for coming on ella burzens okay um i would like to plug ella burzens instagram um grain of underscore sand on instagram what is it xx underscore hot plates underscore xx on instagram for the license plates um look forward to i believe you can put into youtube um doomsday x3 um you might be able to find it that same way on twitter instagram instagram Instagram. doomsday x3 on instagram doomsday x3 also doomsday x3.com um doomsday x3 on instagram will give you live updates about our shows doomsday x3.com will give you all of the other links you need our our youtube is also pretty having fun and you can watch all of our lovely videos along with my youtube uh make me famous please all right, and thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, Ella. And um, I hope that you, when you go to Morocco, so many people bought tickets that you are rich and famous forever and you never die. Goodbye. Wait, wait. Shout out Jacob Martin. Shout out Archer Burson. Shout out uh, um, Grayson Hendricks. And shout out Sarah in Germany. Shout out. Thank you to my mama. Thank you to Thank you to Archer. Thank you to Grace. And thank you to Jacob. Thank you to Sarah in Germany. Thank you to, thank you to Zach. Thank you to Zach. Thank you to Zach. Thank you to um, thank you to Mango. Um, thank you to Snazzy. Thank you to Twitter. Thank you. Thank you, you Twitter. <laughs> hey, Twitter. Thank you so much for all you've done to me. I love you, Twitter. Be sure to check out Ella's Twitter, Sonics. Check out Twitter.com. Also, don't tell them what my Twitter is. It's a secret.
All right, I'm not. Never mind. I'm not going to tell you what Ella's Twitter is. But thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.